Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Star Wars Minute. It's the daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate the Star Wars movies one minute at a time. I'm Pete the Retailer from PeteTheRetailer.com. I'm Alex Robinson from ComicBookAlex.com. And I'm Keith Phipps from UpRocks.com and the Next Picture Show podcast. Yeah, thanks for coming back, Keith. You're a returning all-star. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. Um, and uh, today you're back for minute 78 of The Phantom Menace. Uh, 78 starts with Anakin running onto the ship and ends with Anakin being introduced to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, which is uh, a, a historic, momentous thing, but we'll we'll get there. Right. Um, I love the 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 beginning of this. Anakin running onto the ship at the kind of at the end of last minute. Anakin, you know, Qui Gon is is busy in the uh, you know tangling with Darth Maul. So he tells Anakin, "Run, you know, tell them to take off." And just picture for a second that you know you're <laughs> sitting in your car waiting for you know your wife or whoever, and then all of a sudden an eight year old kid runs into the car and is like, "Go, go!" She said to go. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I've never met this kid before. I have no idea what's going on, and all of a sudden, this kid just runs onto the ship and says, "We got to leave." Yeah, you think he would run on and tell Panaka or whoever uh, he said to take off, and Panaka would be like, "Why?" Because he's fighting that guy. That Panaka would go out and like try to help him or something. Right. But he just follows yeah. the eight-year-old. Well, the eight-year-old said we should take off. So uh, yeah, don't they have a whole like security force or something in the, in the ship? They have a bunch of pilots at least. Yeah. Anyway. Well, he does. He does. He is told to fly low, though. So, so there's, there's clearly a plan in place. Yeah, Obi Wan takes over and says, uh, "Fly low." So, I guess Obi Wan knows that this is something they've done in the past. That Obi Wan's like, "Oh yeah, the old jump on the landing <laughs> ramp routine." Um, yeah, it's also that uh, you know they they rush into the presumably somebody vouched for Anakin. Maybe it was I guess Padme's on the ship, so maybe oh, that's must true. have been a weird you know. Or Jar Jar, I guess. Jar Jar vouched for him. <laughs> he carries a lot of weight with, with the... Uh, yeah. um, this, kid, this kid knows what he's doing. And I guess somebody told somebody, and so they burst into the cockpit. And I love that they burst in, and Panaka is just like, you know, Qui-Gon's in trouble. In my mind, this is the way it plays out. That, you know, Panaka bursts in and says, Qui-Gon's in trouble. Rick Ollier looks at, out the windshield and then looks up at Panaka as if to say, like, no, that's my line. Like, I'm the exposition guy. <laughs> you're the negative guy. Like, I'm supposed to say Qui-Gon's in trouble, and you're supposed to be, oh, he's done for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Like, Rick Ollier definitely gives him a look for a second. 
Uh, I really like the shot of um, because it's something we haven't really seen in a Star Wars movie, which is people fighting with lightsabers from very far away. I like that they look out the mm. cockpit window and you see them kind of in the distance with their lightsabers. I thought that was a really cool uh, shot. I can't think of any. Uh, I think in Empire, I guess you see them on the uh, gantry way, yeah, fighting from far away, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of thing I, I kind of wish you'd see more often. I, I just watched um, um, a couple months ago, I watched Ho Shao Shen's movie, The Assassin, which does a lot of interesting things where they stage fight scenes that you would normally see up close uh, from far away. And it's probably too um, artful an approach for, for George Lucas to make or anyone to make it a big blockbuster, but it's it's neat that it's in there for a couple of seconds. This is, a, this is an interesting. I remember thinking this was a cool yet ultimately disappointing lightsaber duel and watching it again. I had to go back and watch the minute before this to refresh my memory. It's less than a minute long, this fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, it feels like it feels like a moment when, it, when the movie could have stood to have, a little, uh, to have a little bit more there. Yeah, or, I mean, it literally, yeah, I think it starts at the very end of the last minute, and by the end of this minute, it's everybody's like, whoo, that was a crazy fight, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably only about, like, 30 seconds or something. Yeah. And um, it, yeah, it could be. I would love to see this in a just you know, one quiet, long shot of of you know just like from really far away. Have maybe like a bantha walking by or something, and just have like off in the distance you see you know we have some farmer watching them from far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. A moisture farmer watching, and then with his the, the treadwell droid <laughs> through, they could have tied it back in with uh, binoculars. He's yeah. watching this go on, and then you just see like you know lightsaber battle, and the ship flies over, and Qui Gon jumps on. Um. Yeah, yesterday our guest uh, John Kowalk was saying he really liked this lightsaber battle, but I, I actually don't, aside from its brevity, it, like I find the blocking very hard to kind of, again, if, they were f- if it was a longer shot where you kind mm-hmm. of saw them, where you could kind of see more of their body motion, but there's a lot of close-ups and a lot of just like editing trickery where it's just like lightsabers flashing and close-ups of... Of, of people and maybe they didn't want to have a big lightsaber battle because they wanted to make the yeah. ending like the proper lightsaber battle yeah it's very much an appetizer yeah and a moose bouche if you will. yeah <laughs> i mean i'd say it's just at most like a shrimp on a plate like it's not even really like a an appetizer appetizer right it's so. a, you know one of those walking trays of hors d'oeuvres exactly hors yeah and then you're like where's that guy with the lightsaber battles that was so delicious but it was so it was nothing <laughs> well they're too popular that's oh why. yeah that's the thing that's kind of Darth Maul, though, right? I mean, a lot of build up and then a not, not, not a lot of follow through. Yeah, that's true. Right. Um, Darth Maul is the hors d'oeuvre of, of the Sith. <laughs> <I think laughs> that, that was, was the working title of this yeah. movie, hors d'oeuvre <laughs> of the Sith. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then Qui Gon uh, Force jumps up onto the landing platform of the ship and they leave Darth Maul behind. Have you talked much about this ship? Uh, a little bit, but uh, what do you got? I was kind of thinking it's, it's kind of the quintessential Phantom Menace ship where it's, it's very shiny and very CGI looking, and the inside is very clean and bright. It, it's it's kind of it's almost like a um, you know just putting it all out there how different everything's going to look in this in this trilogy than than from the original trilogy. Yeah, even the droid repair room, the, the, mm-hmm. the room that the droids hanging out into, you know, the warehouse part of it is mm-hmm. pretty immaculate. Uh, they, they they keep a clean ship on Naboo. <laughs> and I don't know if that's cool as a conscious decision to set it apart or if it's just kind of... is, But it's kind of jarringly different than anything we've seen in Star Wars before, that, that general look. It's jar-jarringly different. <laughs> mm. It does... Right. It does look, the inside of the ship does look very, like, next generation-y. Yeah. Like, in that kind of... The way it's lit and the, the, the sort of kind of 
antiseptic or at least clean feel to it. And I, I think it is. I'd like to think that it's conscious because it's almost, you know, kind of trying to demonstrate the difference between yeah. the, the royalty in the Republic days versus the... Right. Everything had smoother, cleaner lines and was actually cleaner, I think, maybe in an earlier time. Right. So then by the time we get to Star Wars proper, you know, it's a period of civil war and everything looks more ragged because it's, you know, there's been... Right. Uh, some... There's been a battle raging. Well, it's hard to say because we don't really see that many environments in the original trilogy. Right. Like Tatooine, of course, is going to be dumpy because it's the, the, out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And the Falcon is, of course, famously a piece of junk and... Mm-hmm. But we don't really see a lot of other planets to find out if how they uh, shape up hmm. in terms of their their uh, dilapidation. <laughs> um, we got a um, well, there, right, so twofold here. Let's let's first before I talk about uh, um, alternate. Um, no, maybe I'll jump into the alternate alternate reality here. Okay, what if? What if Pete the Watcher is here <laughs> to tell us <laughs> what if? Qui-Gon had lived. You uh, cannot meddle in the affairs of <laughs> no, the Star I'm, Wars characters. I'm just here to observe and report, like like Mall Cop or whatever. Uh, Paul Blart? Yeah, that's the one. Um, so, Keith, I don't know if you're aware that the in the original kind of outlines of this, in the original plotting of this, the uh, uh, all the stuff that Qui-Gon does, uh, Obi-Wan was originally doing that. Right, right. And then there's, they're not supposed to meet until later, right? Yeah, yeah. Once they get to Coruscant, then he meets up with his master, who is who is Qui Gon. But uh, so this uh, this duel, this lightsaber duel, was originally Obi Wan and Darth Maul. Uh, so that uh, first, when they when they he remember we discussed yesterday, I think that they, there was that probe mm-hmm. droid, and and Obi Wan cuts it in half with his lightsaber, and then identifies it as a Sith probe specifically. Mm-hmm. Oh, this must be. This is a Sith probe, but I thought they were all extinct. Which is an interesting. Like, I don't know. Like, oh, the, these these people. It's like if you you know suddenly you were attacked by something and you 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 know disabled it and you're like, oh, like that's funny. This is a Mayan you know yeah. drone. This is an ancient Aztec dart. Yeah, but you were like, oh, I thought they were all extinct. Uh, it's a weird combination of to a be able to identify something as. Sith, just because of, by its technology, but right. also something that's been extinct theoretically for years. Uh, but then also the the battle itself, uh, they exhibit much more Jedi powers, much more in the way of Jedi powers than Qui Gon and Maul do in the final film. This Obi Wan and Darth Maul are shown they levitate objects and they throw them at each other. They move extremely fast, so there's the return of that that fast run that we uh-huh. only saw once, uh, and even vibrating to the point of becoming almost invisible. Wow. Mm. Yeah. How would that have looked? I have no idea. <laughs> that seems I'm just like... imagining Hugh McGregor like just like shaking his body really <laughs> like totally like just like spazzing out right. and like <laughs> Where'd he go? <laughs> you can't see me, I'm invisible. <laughs> right. He was like um Ed Begley Jr. in Amazon Women on the Moon. Yeah, he's just like naked, and he thinks he's invisible, but he's not really. And so, have, oh, it's just you know, Ewan McGregor running around naked, being like, "Oh, you can't see me," <laughs> and everybody's humoring him. Yeah, I wish they had included that. <laughs> it would be not the first time he was naked in a movie, right? Yeah, he does it all the time, so I don't know why he wouldn't do it in uh, in this. Is does he get naked in a lot of movies? 
He did in the nineties, like uh, Velvet Goldmine and um, uh, the Pillow Book, the Peter Greenaway movie. Um, it was there was a time when you, you had at least a fifty percent chance you'd see Ewan McGregor's penis if you went to see one of his movies. It'd be funny a list of actors who you see, like Harry Cartel had that reputation for a while, mm-hmm. right? Wasn't he nude a lot in <laughs> movies? At least once, I know. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, wasn't. It was the nineties. It was a different time. Yeah. yeah, you saw a lot more penises back then. It was the Clinton administration. Everyone was right. Yeah. <laughs> it was what we did back then. <laughs> Welding instructor Alex Declare knows VR training platforms like Forge FX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com/slash/metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Uh, so, so Kwai, Kwai jumps on the ship and then there's a little bit of, um, well, first of all, does the queen ship have guns on it that they don't want to just double back around and try to kill Darth Maul with guns from the ship or better yet, like, okay, let's land the ship. And now that we're prepared, we can all go fight him instead of just me fighting him. Should Hmm. they, should they have finished off Darth Maul at that time? Or do you think they were right in leaving him behind and just saying, yeah, let's get back to Hmm. I, I I didn't see any guns on it though. It would kind of make sense that it would be just a diplomatic ship, right? Yeah. In a sense, although if Do it all the, ships have guns, if it's the queen's transport, you'd think that it would be armed. Well, no, I guess it always flies with an escort. Like, does Air Force One have guns? I don't think so, right? It's just a jumbo jet. Yeah. So that is super cool to imagine. Right. <laughs> like a turret on top of yeah. the guy, uh, like a like a V nineteen or something. <laughs> Um, so I guess, yeah, it just always flies with an escort, so maybe it doesn't have guns. Hmm. So, so those the N1 starfighters that are in the uh, hangar with it, those are always meant to fly with it. Yeah, we didn't see them trying to blast their way past the, uh, past the blockade. Right. Um, so then Anik, so Obi-Wan asks Qui-Gon, what was it? And Qui-Gon also refers to Darth Maul as an it. Right. Uh, which I find interesting. Is that it? is that is strange. That struck me too. Well, he just you know he doesn't want to use gender specific pronouns. It's he he should have uh, you know you're not you can't be sure how he wants to refer to himself. So in the meantime, maybe so they just... can refer to the person as it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they I'm sure Darth Maul appreciates their sensitivity. <laughs> it's just a polite thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah, or were they reacting more just because of the way uh, it looked, or <laughs> maybe they thought he was some kind of. Mutant yeah. cactus or something. Right. I guess we still don't know if Darth Maul was a man or so I guess we should go with it until we know otherwise. So. Doesn't he say that when he says introduces him, doesn't he say this is my apprentice Darth Maul, he something something? Oh maybe. I don't know. I'm flipping um, thumbing through the scripts now to see if we have gender confirmation. And and Qui-Gon is also very winded. Which is funny, considering that the battle only lasted 30 seconds. Is this just because they're so out of practice from actually fighting people with lightsabers that Qui-Gon's like, oh boy, I'm, uh, I'm, a, little, uh, I'm a little out of practice. Yeah. 
I found that staging kind of unfortunate, where he kind of collapses on his back, and then his his lightsaber retracts. And he has this sort of spent look on his face. I thought it was uh, uh, maybe I just looked at the, the scene a little too closely, but it, it just seemed a, a little a little too intimate for me. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of doing things one minute at a time. You right. look at everything with too much scrutiny. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, any luck? This is my apprentice, Darth Maul. He will find your he. Ship. So he is the he. So the Jedi are just uh, not good at differentiating. Right. He's wearing robes and stuff, so it's hard yeah, to Yeah, it's say. hard to tell. But like I was saying, I think they just didn't want to be rude, so they went with yeah. it, which is um, presumably less rude in the... How, how rude. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, we get the, the momentous introduction of uh, Anakin Skywalker meet Obi-Wan Kenobi, which should be momentous. It feels very um, like uh, I, there must be a term for this, but like in time travel, whenever there's a movie about time travel, and they're like, it's g- kind of like, uh, oh, Stan Laurel meet Oliver Hardy, you know, like <laughs> oh, and that's how they became, you know, it has that feeling of very like, uh, uh, what, is there a term for that? I don't know, heavy-handed or or like it's kind of heavy-handed, but yeah, too. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know if there's we should coin a term for it. We should. What are we going to call it? I don't know. See, like on the know. show um, uh, Boardwalk Empire, they did a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, oh, right. that FDR, he'll never become president. <laughs> you know, that that kind of a thing. Right, right. Meet, meet my sidekick, Alfred. Alfred yeah. Capone. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a <laughs> easy, this doesn't quite work as that, but sort of the easy historical irony of, of like in Titanic where this Picasso will never amount to anything. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, we know better, you know. But this this should be... I don't know, should be kind of the opposite of that, where it should be sort of like this chill-inducing moment where 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 sort of history is being made before our eyes, and it's uh, it's not it's not it's it's very it's very casual. Well, I, I find it weird because I, I'm never quite sure whether the, whether George Lucas is intending the prequels to be legitimately prequels, where you're supposed to watch these and not know that Anakin winds up killing Obi Wan. <laughs> Or whether this is all supposed to be basically flashback, mm-hmm. and then, like you said, it should be like more of an ominous feel to it, or or some kind of like, you know. But uh, it doesn't. They generally don't lean that way. They don't like do much too too much foreshadowing in that regard, where they're like you know, like giving some kind of indication that someday this will all be echoed in the future. Yeah, I have this weird thing, where, and I know we're supposed to try to stay positive with the Phantom Renaissance. Or have you given up on that at this point? It's been tough to keep up. But, you know, <laughs> any help you can you can provide. Well, the thing yeah. with this movie is like it it it'll it'll reward me for watching it, and then remind me why I don't like it all within like thirty seconds. Like like right here, like you know, the minute up to this, like Darth Maul looks so cool. He's on the, he's on his ship and everything, and then you know nothing happens, uh, uh, and then you get this sort of this uh, leaden meet um meet uh uh obi-wan kenobi but i mean from my biggest problem with the prequels i guess maybe not biggest but a problem i have with the prequels is i never see anakin skywalker as young darth vader i just they're in my mind they're just two discrete characters because there's no way this kind of twerpy kid grows up to be the the menacing villain of the the original trilogy it just like to it never really you know obviously story-wise it makes that connection but I never connect those two 
on any other level other than, yes, I know he grows up to be Darth Vader. It never feels like an emotional journey or like it never, it never feels like it, it, that's, that's ever, that circle's ever really completed for me. And I think this moment kind of illustrates that too. This is not, I don't, I'll, I have to remind myself, oh yeah, he kills him. That's right. Because right. it's the same guy. Yeah, I mean, George Lucas has said like he did. He wanted to show that Anakin was not evil. Like he didn't want it to be like the Omen, where like there was this kid who you're like, oh, we, you know from the start that he's a bad seed. He wanted him to be a legitimately kind of innocent kid. But I guess the problem is then when you get to the next movie, he should at least be showing some indication of being. I guess he does show indications of being a jerk, but not like Darth Vader jerk, right? Yeah, more like uh, Kylo Ren jerk than than Darth <laughs> Vader jerk. But um, yeah, it's a weird. Uh, I I I I feel the same way that I don't you know I don't link the two, and maybe it's you know partially as we've said I've only seen uh, Revenge of the Sith the once pretty much, so I don't you know not having that scene kind of you know committed to memory where he be- actually becomes Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. But even so, there should be more of a lead up to that, that I should have memory, you know, I should be able to think of scenes of Anakin doing stuff that's like, oh, yeah, that's very Darth Vader-y kind of thing. Well, I guess you don't even see, you don't, you never see, or only the, other than one or two shots, there's very little of Anakin as Darth Vader right. in the armor and, you know, doing stuff. So maybe in between episode three and episode four, there was more of a transition where Anakin's like, I got to stop being such a whiner. I got to be like, you know, took like a, a leadership course or something at the Empire, uh, Empire be more Academy. assertive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he does physical ther- therapy to get used to his new, uh, his new robotic uh, elements yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would have been cool if it's, I know there's a little, we're, we've been throwing out a lot of, you know, kind of what ifs uh, to make this cooler, make this a better series if not you know just specifically a better movie but if you had started with him you know as it was originally intended if he was 12 here then maybe have something happen in the next movie where have kind of more of an intermediate step where it's not just his arm you know have him kind of have maybe you know the the kind of the bottom you know kind of a preliminary version of the bottom of the breathing mask apparatus or uh-huh. you know the, maybe a little control panel on his chest or something you know something halfway or not quite halfway to Darth Vader but a little bit on the path to Darth Vader so you can kind of get the you know the feel of it I think the Clone Wars cartoons do a better job of it and not surprisingly because they had you know 150 episodes to work with as opposed to you know six hours of screen time with Anakin so uh, but uh, yeah well, when they reboot it, well, I guess they already did reboot it, so it's kind, of a, <laughs> it's kind of a moot point. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Um, Keith, do you remember seeing Phantom Menace for the first time and your impressions of it? 
Yeah, I did. And, and I, I saw it at a critic screening in Chicago. Uh, I drove down from Madison, Wisconsin about a week before it came out. I remember like trying not to tell too many people because I didn't want to have to, because I didn't want to talk to everybody about this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> before. I just didn't want to get my opinion on it. And I was one of those people who kind of talked themselves into liking it more than they should have. And I know, I know I'm one, one thing that's been therapeutic about, about uh, this round of, of the show is that I realize I'm not alone in that. Um, so, um, but you know, the second viewing, uh, I kind of felt like maybe this movie wasn't entirely there. It's still my favorite of the prequels though. And in, in part, because um, it's the one that, Kind of feels the most. It, it, it all, I kind of like seeing all this stuff, this world new for the first time, and like the new look and all this. It, it felt fresher then, and and it also just kind of ties into, uh, uh, you know, a very pleasant summer for me personally. So it was uh, it has pleasant associations. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, the next time I saw it was about a week later with uh, uh, my girlfriend, then my wife now, and and uh, I was uh, she kind of left it. I think seeing it with clearer eyes than I did the first time. Yeah, it takes that sometimes. Uh, first time that I saw it, I was completely like, "Yeah, that was great." Yeah, that was great, and then went and saw it with a friend who, when it was done, was not was like you know expecting a lot and didn't pay off, and just that look of sadness on his face. I was like, "Wait, am I wrong? I might be wrong." <laughs> and I've never fully hated this movie with the passion that some people do. It's it, like you; it's my favorite of the prequels, and I still find it charming. But I, I, as time went on, I understood more of like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that I can see how you might." have serious problems with this doesn't hamper my enjoyment of it necessarily but i see that there are definitely right yeah issues problems so yeah so many problems yeah. <laughs> so was that did you just see it the the two time what's your phantom menace number is it oh uh, you know nothing nothing too hard. i saw it those two times in the theater right. i know i've watched it maybe I only watched it all the way through one more time i think it's in my future though because my my daughter is four and i showed her the original trilogy and i took her to see the force awakens and she liked all those movies and she just out of nowhere said are there other star wars movies and i'm like um. <laughs> the, the question every parent dreads hearing yeah, <laughs> yeah no <laughs> I, I do wonder if the future of the prequels is to be almost more of a of a footnote because it's the, the the it seems like the movies are making now are so much more of a piece with the original trilogy that this these are going to look kind of at odds with everything else but on the other hand i also wonder if the generation because you and i are on the same age you guys and i are on the same age i wonder if the generation that grew up with these is going to champion their values a little more and we saw a little bit of that i think leading up to the, the the release of the Force Awakens, I saw more than a few. The prequels are actually okay, kind of pieces. I don't know. It's a tough. I think it's still a tough argument to make, though. It, it wouldn't surprise me if if. Well, my feeling is that as time goes on, like there's going to be less differentiation between the original trilogy, the classic, you know, the prequel trilogy, because it'll just be like James Bond movies, where it's just like an endless stream of them and. You know, mm-hmm. I guess those are easy to characterize by actor, but I do think you know, like kids who are seeing them now don't see it as they just see the prequels as other Star Wars movies. You know, for better or for worse. And right. I do feel like there's going to be a backlash or a front lash <laughs> against the original trilogy, the younger generation championing the prequels. Mm-hmm. I think that could happen. Well, yeah. Then I'm, I'm sure by that point, then they'll make new movies that kind of address things from the prequels to kind yeah. of appease those people i think they will do sequels that are somehow like 
tying back to those movies to to placate the prequel fans. Right. Yeah, but so far most of the most of the supplementary stuff, like the comics and and um, I haven't read any of the new novels or anything, uh, but it seems like they've they've kind of left that period largely alone. Yeah, yeah, for now, but it'll come. You know, it's like with Generation X nostalgia, and then sure. right, that's slowly giving way to, to you know nineties. Yeah, nostalgia. Right, I think it's right now they're targeting us and you know our kids or whatever. You know, knowing that we're that's we're going to be the ones who are either digesting this or you know buying stuff for people who are digesting it. Whereas when the kids who were kids in the nineties are more the kind of the focus in, the in a couple of years, then yeah. it'll be, you know, it'll start, they'll start addressing them more. That's I'm glad they're not glossing over in a way. I'm glad, uh, they didn't kind of completely excise these. Cause there was a rumor of that. They were going to just kind of, okay. You know, only the original trilogy counts. Yeah. They were going to say they were not canonical. They were, yeah, they were going to cut the, make the, the prequels legends too. But in a way I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Because the, there's something I hate it when that happens to me, you know, when they, somebody, you know, if, like if they do a remake of something and they take what I liked and then, oh yeah, that didn't happen. This is the way it happened. You know I thought you, I, well, you said you, you hate when that happens to you. I thought you meant like when they re when they, when we reboot star Wars minute and you're, you know, <laughs> cut out all the feet parts and, uh, right. Yeah. I'll hate it when they replace me with the, the you know, a perky young lady who's yeah. uh, much more, we're going to go with a CGI Felicia day. There you go. <laughs> Pete is legend now. <laughs> Pete is legend. It's true, all of it. <laughs> Alex, Pete. <laughs> Someday they'll discover that, and then it'll be great. There'll be a nice hologram of us. It'll be wonderful. Uh, well, that's, that's pretty much all I had for for seventy eight, Keith. Unless you had any uh, any other observations. Um, I'm not sure how to read Obi Wan Kenobi's nod. Um, you know, it's very it's, non-committal. It is. It is. <laughs> it's like okay, kid. <laughs> do you think they they purposely didn't they kind of left a paw like a kind of thing there because they thought the audience was going to be going like woo like yeah you know, like oh like reacting to that like like i hope not that's so sad i think they were <laughs> I, if, if i can remember you know as as we've rediscovered recently watching the force awakens that there's a huge difference between kind of an opening night crowd and then you know the, the rest of time <laughs> So, like, I think I remember, I seem to remember the opening week crowds, at least, you know, during that moment being, you know, cheering for that. Really? It's, it's, you know, it's supposed to be momentous. And it's like, well, might not be as momentous as we had hoped, but here it is on screen, at least. Um, But, yeah, since then, that's been like, all those moments like that are lost to time. You know, like, even the ones, you know, we've discovered going back through Empire and Jedi, kind of noticing, oh, that's the moment where they f- reveal their face to the screen so we have a chance to be like, woo, it's Harrison yeah. Ford, he's yeah. back, you know. Um, and so I think this was that kind of a thing, you know, leaving a gap in there for reaction. Uh, we've been talking about Ewan McGregor. You know, Obi-Wan was originally supposed to be the star mm-hmm. and, and so on, and Anakin was supposed to be 12 years old. Uh, did... Do you think it's the kind of thing where when Ewan McGregor signed up, he thought he was the star, and then they're like, "You and baby, we got some bad news for you." <laughs> you know? Or do you like? Do you think he like was the was this script the one he signed up for, or was it changed out from under him? I don't think he needed to 
needed to see a script. I think they were just like, hey, do you want to be Obi-Wan Kenobi? And he was like, sure. Okay, so, but it wasn't like they were saying, oh, yeah, you get to fight Darth Maul and anything no. specific. If it was anybody else, yeah. I would say maybe. Right. But the fact that I think Ewan McGregor, you know, maybe they took advantage of that. Maybe they knew. They're like, oh, we can cut his role down a little bit because we know he's he's the most excited about this. Look at that. He's over there playing with the lightsabers and we're not even rolling. <laughs> and making noises <laughs> yeah. when he does it. <laughs> um, so I think maybe they knew that they could get away with that more but um i don't i don't really think it mattered that much to him yeah as long as he was you know he was obi-wan kenobi all right well uh on that note keith thanks for uh thanks for joining us again oh for sure being another part of another all-star week um and uh you know depending on uh how how much of a glutton for punishment you are maybe we'll ask you back for uh attack of the clones I would definitely come back for that. <laughs> All right. You heard it. He yep. said it. It was on, on recording, recording. So it counts. Um, and uh, everybody else, uh, hopefully you can join us uh, tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, uh, go to go to iTunes. Give us a good review. Give us a rating. Subscribe to the show. All that stuff helps. Uh, go to StarWarsMinute.com slash Amazon and buy some stuff because we get a cut of that and it helps us produce the show. Uh, and then uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another all-star here on Star Wars Minute. 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 Minute.